Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Muddy News Media. Hello and welcome to the Offside Rule. Woohoo, we're back again. I'm Kate Borsay here to bring you some footballing warmth to these slightly chilly days we've been encountering. And joining me as ever, first up, she is the first lady of Sky Sports. Well, that's what we call her officially anyway. It's Hayley McQueen. Hi, Hayley. Definitely not the first, but I'll take that from you too. I'll You're take our it. first. Thank you. Thank you. And we have the first lady of Wolverhampton. Yes, that's right. She's been officially crowned by us. The Black Country's <laughs> finest commentator, pundit and everything else in between, Lindsay Hooper. I think Jackie Oatley, Susie Perry, lots of others <laughs> might have something to say about that well, as well. But... Not to us. Oh, Sometimes it's good to keep it in the family, isn't it, Linz? Um, Well, it's the first time, isn't it, ladies, that we're speaking since the madness that was Sunday. My goodness, I heart football after Sunday. So says all of us. So the Premier League, of course, some astounding results there. Uh, we all fell in love with the game right all over Again, uh, as if we didn't love it enough already. Uh, There's a topic loosely related to that later in the show. But for now, um, how did you take it all in? Linz, what about you? I was at one of the games that didn't have any craziness. I was at Wolves against Fulham. Just a a very unstated (laughs) 1-0. Yes. Being a Wolves fan, I I was already sort of biting my nails, hoping underneath. I was being professional too, but um, hoping that we hung on to that 1-0 scoreline. But then... The, the results afterwards, I was driving down the motorway um, back home and I just couldn't believe it, only to get in and then have the Liverpool result as well. Just unbelievable. What about you, Hayley? Well, for once I thought, do you know what? I'm not going to watch Super Sunday this week. Yes, it's Man United in action live on Sky and they're up against Spurs and it's Jose and all that. But we had the in-laws over. I had my daughter's first birthday. Um, I mean, we didn't have a huge party because obviously we're limited to six, but I was eating cake all day. We were having a lovely time, had a few neighbours dropping in and out. I thought, I'm not going to watch the football. Started, kept kind of checking in on the score. At one point I looked at the score. You know when you think, is this a joke? Yes. And I, I tried to keep off, off Twitter because I wasn't sure about what was trending. I didn't want to see what was trending, to be quite frank. It got to the point where it was like, mm, do I just switch it on? It's like, you know, when you pass a car crash and you don't really want to look, but then you, you feel like you need to look because you need to see what's happening. That's what it felt like me watching Manchester United. It was a very strange weekend. And obviously I had to come into work on the Monday for transfer deadline day um, with a lot of the story being the fallout from the weekend's big wins and big defeats as yeah. opposed to just, you know, all the transfers. Well, we'll talk more about deadline day in just a minute. I was at work when these results started to roll in. The Manchester United one, I can totally handle that, of course, as a Liverpool fan. But she was on the other foot, wasn't it? Um, For you, Hayley, it was the shock of the United result. For me, it was being at work preparing for kind of a news-based show, if I'm totally honest. There was a shock aspect to them and they engaged us and they got everyone talking about it. So much so that that my um, editor, pro- pro- programme editor, phoned me up and said, you have got to put football in your first half an hour. <laughs> you need this guest, you need to go and find someone, we need to get this and this and this. And as I said, it's normally a news-based show. We wouldn't normally do a whole lot of sport, um, but that's how much it lit up the country. And I, and I think, you know, overall, it's that old adage, good news for football, right? Goals definitely get headlines. Um, you don't report very often when it's a brilliant defensive display and it's nil-nil across the board. If we had a, a Saturday or 
or a Sunday where it's just all nil nils? Do you think we get many many no. call ins or, or no. many phone in programs? Probably not. So yeah, I, I think I, I think also you're right. believe if we had stadiums full of fans, we wouldn't be seeing results like this. I can't say why, and it's really hard to sort of say, oh, the, the, the fans wouldn't have allowed it. I just think that atmosphere and the different kind of um, feeling for the players being inside the stadium, I, I don't know. I just can't see this happening mm. had there been fans mm. in the stadium. Okay, I agree. And I, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's just demanding more from the players. I think it's demanding more from the managers as well. I think there was a lot that was left that I don't think, for instance, Klopp um, or Oli would have, would have left if the fans had been in the stadium. But uh, yeah, I, I think you're onto something. All right, well, coming up on this week's show, we're playing a little mascot related game after Gunnosaurus's roller coaster week. Talk about high drama. Uh, we'll be empathising with Patrice Evra about the times when we didn't want to be at a football game or just didn't want to be there. And of course, there were a few huge moves in the transfer market on deadline day. And that's where we head to, first of all. <laughs> This news just in, listeners. The Athletic is extending its £1 a month offer for all new subscribers, meaning you can get unrivaled analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, plus a brand new breaking news service and ad-free versions of all of The Athletic's podcasts for just a quid. This deal won't last forever, though, so don't miss out. Sign up today at theathletic.com slash offside. All right, well, topic one, this is called Countdown. Hayley, does that make you feel like you should be in work right now, getting ready? Little heart palpitation thinking, (laughs) get on set, get on set. What are you doing sitting here? Yeah, not ready. Um, Goodness me. We are, of course, going to kick off with transfer deadline day and some pretty big moves happened on the last day of the international window, didn't they? Um, Hayley, how was Sky Sports News, the very home of transfers? Do you know, it was was strange because it was the quietest one we'd ever had in terms of news stories and the newsroom. Because we're obviously COVID-proof in here, um, there were far fewer people around the building than there normally would be. And in the newsroom, it's normally you know, a real buzz and, you know, people are, there's baked goods around everywhere in yellow and black and we kind of have a little bit of fun with it all. And you can hardly move through the studio just trying to get from, um, you know, the news planning desk to maybe the sound area to then go and see the floor manager. But it was very quiet and you could actually hear yourself think, which was quite nice. So in terms of doing the actual job, and we, of course, as presenters were separate as well. One was up at the wall, one was down at the desk or another was kind of roving or in our kind of soft sitting area. So it was weird not to be with somebody and have a little bit of, you, know, you can have a bit of fun and a bit of yeah. banter, a bit of bants. We couldn't really have that. So it was a bit of a strange one. Not that much really happened in the time that I was on during the day, which was a shame. We were just kind of, we, we knew that obviously party was going to join Arsenal. We knew that United were going to sign Cavani and, and Tellez, but it didn't happen in my hour anyway. Aww. I was very jealous, Hayley, watching you from Arsenal because it was tipping it down. I was underneath an umbrella and because of COVID, usually the club would give us a room where we can just wait and be dry and have a cup of tea. But of course, there was none of that. So myself and a camera operator were just outside. I did have Sky Sports News on my phone for quite a long time. So I did see you. You look quite cosy. Thanks, and I was all punned out by the end. Party, party. Yeah, I know. It's uh, yeah, an absolute gift. So I want to take a look at these deadline day deals. There were a few good ones, but needless to say, there will have probably been quite. 
quite a few panic buys as well, particularly as uh, the day wore on. Um, So I'd like you each to pick out a last minute panic buy, please, one that you're concerned about. And then we'll go on to a couple of players who are stuck at their parent club who could find themselves either bought out of contract like Jack Wilshire or off to a rival club uh, on loan uh, to the EFL, for example. So let's talk panic buys before we go into those players who are um, checkmate at the moment. Um, Lindsay, who are your panic buys? Which ones are you most concerned about? I think the ultimate panic buy (laughs) of this window has to be Edinson Cavani, doesn't it? I think Agreed. I'm sure we've all yeah. we've all picked him. Manchester United, 33, and I think that's the reason. You know, he's 33. He's not played football for six months. Come from PSG. If you'd have had Edinson Cavani in his heyday at his prime, then wow, what a signing! You know, ten years ago, five years ago, even. But right now, this just screams panic. It just screams we need to get someone in. Who we're going to get? He's available on a free transfer. These are huge. Wages as well for for a player. They're about ten million for a year, two hundred thousand pounds a week. He's going to be earning more than the captain Harry Maguire, and I just wonder how little things like that, because this is an option for a second year deal as well, how they can affect the the dressing room. You know, yes, this is PSG's all time record goal scorer, but he's coming to the club based on things he's done in the past. Right now in the mm. present, he hasn't played football mm. for six months. I can't stress mm. that enough. And pe- so, people, keep, people keep comparing it to like when Ibrahimovic came to United of a similar age, of course, but actually mm. lit up Old Trafford and had a great season. But he was still in sublime form. And I think yes. that's, that's the difference there. I think if you've got Cavani, who scored, what, four goals last season or something? He's just, you just don't know where he's at with his game. There's no doubting his legendary status, but he's a massive risk. And so therefore to attach that much money to him and to sign him on deadline day was just, it just reeks of desperation a little bit, doesn't it? And, you know, United, I think generally didn't have a terrific window, did they really? No, there's an article I've read already as well where apparently he's already thinking about leaving, which isn't great, is it, when you've just bought a player in on deadline day. Um, He's been talking about how nice it would be to play for Boca Juniors and how that's a club that he'd like to go to. Apparently, he'd already spoken to them before joining Manchester United. So I don't think that Mm. bodes well when you're talking about what your next move is. It sounds like a payday, doesn't it? It sounds Mm. like a payday move. Hayley, pick out uh, a panic buy that you've identified. Okay. I don't actually think there are too many, to to, to, to be honest. Um, I think United have, have definitely won in, in, in those stakes. I do think, though, Leeds United announcing the signing of Rafinha for £21 million. Not necessarily a huge panic buy, but... I don't know if he'd been in their sights quite some time, but he just kind of came out of nowhere, I think... I do just wonder if they just suddenly thought, well, everybody else is buying big. We, we kind of need a, a, a star player of our own as well. But I think you, you try not to upset things uh, at a team that are doing pretty well, that have already made a couple of um, clever signings. Um, Bielsa obviously knows exactly what he's doing. He's got a really fast winger. He is a player who loves to have the ball, runs at defenders. He's, he's got plenty of flair as well. Um He's obviously uh, will have been playing in the Champions League with Wren, so he he sees something in, in in coming to England. I don't know if it was 
the, the, the lure of coming to play in the Premier League as opposed to Leeds United and just hope that he kind of understands um, the club that he's going to and where he's going to fit in and, and hope that he's not going to be this kind of, you know, star player. I, I'm bigger than this club and I'm going to use this to, to show what I can do to try and maybe get a bigger move over here and, and, and another team will potentially come in for me um, in the next year or so. Do, do, you know where I, do you know where I'm at with that? Do you get me? Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it, I do. I'm going to go on to Fulham because when you are bottom of the league, at the basement, at the foot, it can be tricky, can't it, if you're trying to secure players. And I think it's safe to say that they needed a centre-back and that their efforts to try and secure a centre-back had all gone a bit wrong. There were several deals that fell through. Jean-Claire Tadebo went to Benfica on loan from Barcelona. He was one they were talking about. Timo Baumgartel from PSV. He was on the list that they were looking at, um, played in the Bundesliga with Stuttgart before moving to Eindhoven. And sort of one of those really, you know, decent German prospects. But he decided that his game wasn't going to improve by moving to Fulham. Ouch. So where did they go instead? Well, Fulham and Tony Khan did manage to sign Leon's Danish international Joachim Andersen on loan. He was signed for just over 20 million from Sampdoria to Leon last season, but he's really struggled in League One. Um, and that makes me question whether that's a bit of a panic buy, really. I think he's taking a bit of a bit of a punt on him. He did also manage to get Manchester City's Tosin Adarabio as well. He was he was on loan at Blackburn Rovers last season and he really impressed. But again, there's a massive question mark over his ability. Blackburn's very different to Fulham. The Premier League's very, very different. Um, And in terms of, you know, in terms of that position, being at the centre of defence, you need someone who's assured, you need someone who knows the flow and the rhythm of the play. And he's still really unproven. So Mm. Fulham did manage to get a couple of signings, but there's a massive question mark over whether either is going to be capable. I, th- I think Fulham had to bring in players in that position because defensively they they had improved against Wolves, but they've they've needed a centre back or one or yeah. two for about two or three seasons now. The thing I will say about Anderson is that a few years ago he was being touted as one of Europe's really big prospects yes. um, coming through, and at Leon I, I think it's worth pointing out he fell off the radar a little bit when they switched to a back three. He seems to play much better in a back four, and so it depends really on how Scott Parker lines up. I, I think he's the sort of centre back if if he plays a back four, this could be a real opportunity for him to shine again. But yeah, you know, definitely they they did panic and they needed to because they needed to bring some sense yeah, back in. it's true isn't it do you make a panic buy or do you just not buy at all and you can argue um that you know you need to have something in your locker rather than nothing even mm. if it is a panic buy yeah and, go- and going back to leads again i've just sort of found my notes here girls um I think as well, sometimes what happens is a, a club have got their heart set on a particular player and they think that's going to happen. It's going to happen as time goes on. Suddenly that player then suddenly isn't coming. And instead of just calling your you know, your, your losses and just saying, right, OK, that's fine. Cutting your losses. We've missed out on him. They then try and find a similar player to that. But then that I think that's what happened with Rafinha, paying over the odds for a player that was um, maybe not even obviously quite as talented as the French midfielder, Michael Cuisance, um, after their deal, of course, failed. They've already got Pablo Hernandez in midfield. Rafinha obviously helps a little bit in terms of his defensive attributes, something that's, you know, currently not provided by Hernandez. But you just wonder why they've signed him so late and where on earth he's 
kind of come from and it just seems like an awful lot of money to be playing for a player but then if they set aside a certain amount of money for um cuisance of france then they're probably just thinking okay let's just throw money at someone and hope that they actually come here just to kind of fill a little bit of a gap that we think we need to plug although they have already spent 90 million pounds on players leeds united mm. my other question to throw at you both actually was to do with sentimentality in football is there any room for it girls because Southampton taking Theo Walcott back. <laughs> yes. It it did make me wonder because they haven't had the start to the season that they wanted. Is this a move that is there to appease the fans a little bit? And I'm not sure that Theo Walcott's going to add anything now at this point. You know, when he started out his career at Southampton, of course he he was electric. Yeah. But you're not getting that now. I mean, one of the major, major things that Theo Walcott had was his pace. And I'm not saying by any means that he's slow now, but he, of course, isn't as fast as he was when he was 18, 19. And I just don't know. I, I think they haven't had the start they wanted. And I just don't, this move just made me go a bit, meh. Do you not think that they're going to benefit from the maturity um, and the example that he's going to set? Because he's he he is a very good professional. He's a very good advert for the club, um, and it and it might be a bit of a sentimental um, move, yes. But are they are they going to lose out by having him? If it was an option of him or no one else. Surely it's better to go with him to hope that his maturity, maybe he'll have a you know really nice calming effect on the dressing room there. I don't have a problem with it at all. I think it's I, as long as he's got something to offer, and and I think he does. I, I don't have a problem problem with that move at all. I think it's definitely going to help him as a player. He's got the familiarity. I'm sure there'll be lots of people around the club that are probably still there from when he left. But as Lindsay said, um, you do just worry a little bit about why they signed him. It's like, hmm, have you paid all this money out for an ambassador for the club to return? <laughs> or are you actually playing, you know, paying for his, his, his skills? Let's see. It may, it may re-energise him and it may, you know, get him, you know, back to kind of regularly playing and and loving the game and he is a really good talent and it would be a shame just to see him sort of fade away somewhere wouldn't it so why not is my opinion on that one did you see ladies by the way a quick add-in from me um it's not like paddy power not to capitalize on a good pr opportunity is it they assembled a shop front in manchester uh, the shop was called woodwards and uh, it was described as the window shopping connoisseurs um, in this particular outlet it featured the nearly men transfers Jaden sancho jack Grealish, erling harlan tiago Ancantara, etc etc i thought that was um a a clever move from Paddy Power. What about those who are stuck? A bit like the fly on Mike Pence's head, if anyone watched the vice presidential <laughs> yes. debate on Wednesday night. <laughs> Two minutes. Oh, yeah. Two yeah. minutes, that fly. So who is stuck? Uh, who do you think might perhaps be able to engineer a move by the end of the domestic window? So that's October the 16th. Um, I need a player each because we're short on time, ladies. One of the most talked about players every single window, Wilfred Zahar. He's staying put. He's not going anywhere. He's going to be locked down at Crystal Palace. But we'll just talk about him again in January. I'll watch Hayley talk about him again and then probably again next summer. But we'll keep going. Um, that one will keep rearing its head, I'm sure. Um, and then in terms of someone who could appear, Josh King from Bournemouth. Bournemouth got relegated, of course, last season. And there are clubs, including Fulham um, and Everton, apparently, still in interested in bringing in a striker backup strikers as well so I, I would say that he's got quite high stock 
I will pop in with a couple for your team, Hayley, um, sitting there waiting to be grabbed. Marcus Rojo uh, is one and Jesse Lingard's the other. Um, he was linked to Porto. Or he, he's, he's being linked to Porto on a season-long loan, um, Lingard. And for Rojo, well, apparently he did request to terminate his contract. He'd had some interest from Turkey, but Man United, this is all kind of according to what I've read. Um, I don't think any of it's definitive, um, but... Um, it's thought that Manchester United didn't want to do that, didn't agree to that, and instead are thinking about maybe waiting until January to dispense of him. So two players stuck there at United. Hayley, what have you got? Yeah, I'm just going to say that there wasn't a lot of offloading, really. I thought Manchester United would, would be doing that and have to do that, and, and Chelsea as well. But another player, this is kind of just throwing it really out there. I'm sure you guys probably wouldn't have picked him. Olivier Giroud, he was on the bench at the weekend for Chelsea, wasn't he? And he played his 100th game for France midweek well he he earned his 100th cap scored two goals had an absolutely brilliant game both goals were brilliant uh, played like he looked you know 25 years old not the age that he's at I just think what's Olivier Giroud going to do he could offer so much more and he's not going to get the game time that that he should be getting for a player that wants to be heavily involved in France's uh, Euro expedition of course next summer if, if they go ahead yeah, he's right up there in the all-time French scoring charts, isn't he? I think he's yeah, just like overtaken Platini. He has, he has, just behind Henri. He was linked with a move to, to Juve. I don't know if I were him, I'd probably have gone. OK, ladies, well, I'll wrap that up there. There are still 10 more days left as we record this of the domestic transfer window. So anything could still happen. The list of free agents is growing, isn't it? So hopefully we'll have a few good transfer stories to come. Next up, I'm a footballer. Get me out of here. <laughs> This is The Offside Rule with Kate Borsay, Lindsay Hooper and Hayley McQueen. Who's Ant and who's Deck, Lindsay? Oh, I I don't want the big foreheads. <laughs> <laughs> and I was going to say that I didn't want to be the little one, Deck. Oh, so, uh, can can I be the Holly Willoughby who stood in for you? Yes, you absolutely. You've got yeah. the best deal Thanks. there. Yeah. Thanks, I've got a good deal, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm a footballer. Get me out of here, then. So, uh, in the, in a terrific weekend in the Premier League, United and Liverpool uh, both lost by hefty margins. Thank you, producer Abby, for reminding me of this. Um, and a West Ham side scoring multiple goals. What about that? Football's gone mad, it seems. Um, but one man who didn't take well to any of these storylines was Patrice Ever, who just, well, quite frankly, looked shell shocked by Man United's performance against Spurs. That six-one loss. Here's what Ever said post-match. I really would like to end up my contract with Sky because it's my second game. I'm a positive person. And I never want to talk about United because when you tell the truth, it can hurt. And I'm passionate and I love my club. How did that go down at Sky Sports, Hayley? Are we allowed oh, some inside gossip? Flipping heck, I just think Patrice. I was like, he does have a good sense of humour, mind you. But yeah. But he wasn't joking though, was he? No, I think he's obviously finding it very, very hard and trying to, you know, he... he because he is such a positive person. He's got his Monday motivation and we kind of... I love this game. I don't know if you follow him on social media. I'm sure everybody does. And he's brilliant. He kind of lights up the week. I think he's finding it terribly hard to sit there and criticise a team that he still obviously loves so dearly, which to to, to lots of viewers is probably very amusing. But to Manchester United fans who don't want to hear their beloved Patrice ever criticise their team, um, yeah, might not happen now. He's gone. Bye, Patrice. Sorry. It 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 was short, but lovely. 
So after that shock admission from uh, Mr. Everett, I wanted to know, ladies, um, whether there were any times when you too have been left feeling just like him and really wanting to be anywhere else but in terms of football, Lindsay. Well, not very many times. I've had to really think hard because we love it, don't we? This is yeah. this is why we do this job. You know, we absolutely love it. But um, I suppose an easy one for me to pull out, um, and this was me watching on television from my flat um, in Richmond at the time, and I remember watching Wolves playing West Brom. Uh, it was on Sky, and this was back in 2012, and it was the middle of February... And we were beaten 5-1 at Molyneux. This is our, our big derby game. Uh, Peter Odenwingi scored a hat-trick in this match. And Mick McCarthy was sacked afterwards. And you know how much I love Mick McCarthy at the time. Yeah. And I needed distractions so much from this match. And I just didn't want to watch. It was one of those where it's on and I can't really turn it off, but it is torture that I was starting a world sailing tour, which I was presenting later that year. And when I say later that year, it wasn't starting until May. And I found myself scrambling around in the loft, getting the suitcase down to try and find something to do, (laughs) just to distract (laughs) myself. Yeah, just anything than watching these guys. I mean, I think that started happening at 3-1. I just thought, oh, no, and started looking for anything to do. I mean, it's never been so clean, my flat, than that afternoon. (laughs) What about you, Hayley? Oh my goodness. Well, mine is probably the first time that um the first time I was ever given the opportunity to interview Sir Alex Ferguson in a post-match scenario, okay? So it was the League Cup. Man United were playing Coventry and it was Ian Dowie's Coventry. United had, had beaten um Chelsea at the weekend. Um Sir Alex had changed his entire team from the win at the weekend, but they still had a pretty strong team. I mean, they had Gerard Piquet in there, Kushak was in goal, Nani was there, Evans was in in, in the back, Carrick actually came on for him. Uh, Chris Eagles, okay, and Dong, maybe not two of our best players ever in the history of Manchester United, but uh, Anderson, um, Bardsley, uh, Phil Brown, Phil Brown, Wes Brown as well in the side. And they were up against a, a Coventry side that, you know, OK, there were 11,000 fans in the stadium, but United should have won this game. And I was sitting there just thinking, OK, this is great. I can ask some questions about who they would like to face next in the cup, what it was like to, to be Coventry. I was hoping for a few goals um, and it was at Old Trafford as well. And they, they lost. They lost 2-0 and it was quite a bad defeat as well. Um, Nani, who they just signed for £17 million from Sporting Lisbon, who kind of turned out to be not too bad a signing. He was never going to be Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, yeah, it was a little bit of a flop in that game. His final ball was just terrible. Um, he had a good few chances, which he completely fluffed. It was Michael Mifsud uh, with both of the goals uh, for Coventry in either half. And um, yeah, the 11,000 Coventry fans that travelled to a packed Old Trafford mm. um, were were clapping and cheering and making me feel sick because I was going to have to go <laughs> down to the tunnel and interview Sir Alex Ferguson. And they had made sure MUTV that they gave me a nice game that they thought we would win. You know, it wasn't too important a, a match to give me a little bit of sort of post-match practice. And I was literally, I, I felt sick. Normally 
Normally I'd have, I don't know, a burger or a hot dog. I couldn't even eat during the game before going to do all the post-match stuff. Because you get really busy, then you're going back to the office and you're editing and you're doing stuff. I just felt sick to my stomach because it was, it was, it was bad. It was really bad. And he was absolutely furious. He came sort of chewing his gum 100 miles an hour into the you know, into the kind of area where he does his interviews. He, he chatted to the BBC and then, and then it was ours. And I was thinking, oh God, we're at least we're the in-house club channel. I've just got to maybe think of some of the positives here. And I remember sitting there thinking, I was sat there with kind of like a blank piece of card. I was going to scribble some notes down about some of the positives. I just couldn't come up with anything. And they'd, they'd crashed out at the same stage, I think the season before to South End as well. So doubly as bad in the, in the League Cup. There's nothing worse, is there, ladies, when you manage to get to it, especially if you work in football as well and your weekends and your game time's limited in terms of recreational watching, watching for fun. And when your team reaches the League Cup final, obviously you want to go. And me and another friend made a huge effort to get to Wembley. We'd organised it, time off work. uh, And this is in 2016 for the League Cup final, Liverpool versus Manchester City. And I don't say this many times, but it was one of those painful games where I just sort of wish I hadn't bothered. And I hate saying that, but having equalised against City late on in the game, it went to penalties and it started so well with Emre Chan scoring his. City missed their first one through Fernandinho. And it was it was just one of those games where you sort of hope raises, hope falls, hope raises, hope. It was, it was just an emotional roller coaster, and it was exhausting. And then there was just a succession of penalty misses. Um, Lucas, Coutinho, Lalana, City managed to score the rest of their pens. And it was just one of those disheartening moments where there was some magic in the air before the game. We really thought we could do it. We really thought we could, we stood a good chance and it just did not come together. And going out on penalties in that way is, um, you know, pretty much one of the worst situations to be in if you've made the effort to get to a game. So for me, that was you know, regrettably just wish I hadn't gone there. There are loads of times when I've watched England. In fact, perhaps it's just Wembley that I should avoid. We, I was going to say, actually, Kate, I've been to Wembley with you. There was Yeah, I know. And there have been um, quite a few occasions, haven't there, Lindsay? (laughs) Well, I I don't know whether you remember. And it was purely for just this one incident. I mean, why does sometimes things always have to involve boys? But anyway, this was an occasion. Um, And I remember we'd we'd been invited, Kate, to go to the FA Cup final. It was Arsenal against Hull. Mm. And we were in some nice seats and it was a lovely experience. But um, I I dated a guy for a while. I don't think you'd ever met him, actually. It hadn't got that serious. Um, But I just vaguely remembered he was a huge Arsenal fan and he'd got a box at the Emirates and he clearly decided he would go to the the FA Cup final and I'd not seen him since and we'd broken up and then I looked down and right below us there he was with his new girlfriend and she was like a Brazilian goddess which is exactly what you <laughs> which want is exactly to see. yeah what you don't want to see <laughs> so I just remember for that reason thinking oh get me out of here I don't want him to clap eyes on me when when he's got this like model on his arm but yeah I mean it's just those little situations isn't it that sometimes yeah. catch you out All right, well, uh, I'm going to wrap it up there, ladies, because um, we are coming on to something really quite special next here on The Offside Rule. Um, We love a mascot. We love the Gunnosaurus story this week. Um, It's got a happy ending to it. So let's revel in some mascot mayhem next. I get knocked down.
This is The Offside Rule with Kate Borsay, Lindsay Hooper and Hayley McQueen. And our third topic, ladies, revolves around one ginormous dinosaur who nearly went extinct again. Yes, it's been quite the roller coaster week, hasn't it, for Gunnosaurus, Arsenal's cuddly mascot. On Monday, he was told he was surplus to requirements and fans were devastated. On Tuesday, it was all change. Mesut Ozil stepped up and said he'd pay for Gunnosaurus to still be at games as long as Ozil was there. Uh, an absolute PR fail for Arsenal then turned into great work by Mesut uh, to try and win back some favour from the Arsenal fans. As a result of all this, we've gone quite crazy and nostalgic about mascots and it's time we put our knowledge to the test. So we're each going to think of a mascot and the other two have got three questions each maximum to work out who the other is thinking of. The caveat to this is that the questions can only be yes-no questions. Do we understand? Correct. Good. Yes Yes or no, remember? (laughs) Okay, uh, and you can play along with this at home, folks. I've no idea how this is going to go. This is producer Abby's suggestion. Uh, And I'm going to kick off by getting you to ask me for my mascot. I would like to ask, are you a bird? No. Do you belong to a Premier League club? Yes. Are you in the London area? No. Are you a carnivore? No. Do you wear blue? No. This this is really hard. Oh, are you an insect? No. That's all your questions done. You can give me a couple of random guesses. Tell us a little bit about the mascot. I I don't think that that's allowed. Producer Abby's going to get very angry with me. Would you just both like to take a punt? You can each have a guess based on what you've heard. What about... What about Sammy the Saint of Southampton? No. Oh, I just... He's one of my favourites. He's a cuddly dog. No, no. I think it might be the boiler from... Correct! Oh! How did you guess that? What the hell? Yes! That was amazing. I think we might be telepathically linked. Uh, score one to Lindsay Hooper. Who's going to go next, ladies? Who can try and replicate? Myself and Hayley, the pressure's on now, Hayley, for us. Okay. Who wants go to on, go, go next? On. I've got mine lined up. Okay. All right, Lindsay, you go first. We might have a bit of repetition with questions here, just so you know, because well, there's only okay. so many you can go with, we can keep with, it punchy. with mascots. Yeah. I might start with, is this an animal? No. Okay. Is this a team at the top half of the Premier League table. Do you know what? At the time of recording this, they're not in the top half, but they have consistently been very much in the no, top half. No, you're not allowed to say anything late. else apart from that, Hayley. You're going oh. to give it away. Okay. Do you not think this would have been better if we could have just given some little facts about the mascots? <laughs> it's too late now. <laughs> Lindsay, what's your question? Well, seeming as we're going with the top half, I think we should go down the colour route, Kate. So, shall we go with, is it blue? Yes. <gasps> I think I know blue? it after three. Oh, okay. God. It's not in the top half of the Premier League at the time of recording. No, that's correct. And it's blue. Yeah. And it's not an animal, so it's not Stanford it's not with the Lion. not an animal. No. And it's not Phil but the Fox. No. No. So it can only really be another one, can't it? Yeah. Is there only one of them? No, there's two. This is the the main one, but they they do have a partner. 
I didn't. I wasn't so sure about the partner, so maybe I haven't got yeah. this right. But I, I thought it was Moonchester. Yes, it is. Because Moonchester's an alien, you see. But yeah. Moonchester has a partner, Moonbeam. Yet another point for Lindsay Hooper. Well done, I have to admit, Moonbeams passed me by, but I did know Moonchester. Okay, Lindsay, is it a team in the top half of the Premier League table? Oh, gosh, right now. Um, Yes, they are. Right now. Is it a bird? Is it a plane? Is it a bird? (laughs) It's not a bird. Oh, I'm just obsessed with birds, aren't I? Is it an animal? No. Is it an insect? No. Oh, I was thinking of Bertie the bee there because the bee is an insect, obviously. Mm. Is it? Dogs. I know. It's not an animal. This is is it? Really is it a London like club? Is it a London club? Yes. Yes. Okay. Have we asked all our questions? I think Hayley <gasps> yes. might have had four there. Oh God! <laughs> oh no! I know who it is. I know who it is. So it must be. It must be the Spurs mascot, right? No. What? <gasps> is oh, it my West chance? Oh, it's, West it's the hammerhead. It's hammer. Yes. I think that was quite painful, wasn't it? Um, thank you for bearing with us. If you turned off, <laughs> bad luck. Um, I think I think it's safe to say that any, Lindsay any, won that one. Any other game ideas? Please send them our way, and we'll, we'll, we'll play it for you next time. In a we're, we're running out of ideas. All right, ladies, well, it is time to trot on toot sweet. That means straight away in French, Lindsay, uh, not to be followed by Monge 2, Monge 2, Rodney, and get straight on to any other business. So any other business, the stories you may have missed from during the week. And as this is broadcast on Union Jack and Jack Radio every Friday at 3pm, didn't you know? Do you know what happened a year ago? Can you remember, ladies, what shocked and rocked the football world a year ago. Dot, dot, dot. It's Rebecca Vardy's account. That's what it was. Uh, well, Colleen Rooney has been busy beavering away, working on her defence, should this reach the High Court, whilst Rebecca, well, she is set to appear on Dancing on Ice. It continues. I've seen Colleen with her dossier, by the way. She looks very important indeed with it. Um, anyway, that was a year ago today. What else have you got for me? Something for the future. Um, Portugal and Spain are going for a joint World Cup bid for 2030. How good would that be? Mm. Very good. I suggest we get straight on to the holiday. Well, we... We can't go anywhere, but anyway, if if we're co-suggesting the holiday, we need a villa. We need a villa for that. We need a villa. Yeah. Haley. Well, mine is also a story about a a, a wag, and it's it's. Romero's wag. He obviously plays for for Manchester United. He's he's been there since 2015. He's played 61 times with the club and he was hoping to get a move away um, um, in the window. And if not, then maybe deadline day. He was keen to join Everton, we believe. But um, yep, the move was denied. He stayed with United. They wanted £10 million for him. You know, they were trying to get him out on loan. But his Argentinian wife very beautiful, has taken to her social media account to post what she thinks of it all. Um, And this is where he can blame it on her, basically. He knows that I didn't post anything about wanting to leave. Sergio Romero worked hard for his club. Last trophy they won, they lifted it with him. He helped the team reach four finals, semi-finals, and then he was left on the bench only to lose them all. 
It is time for them to return the opportunity and let him go. And in big capital letters, respect for once. With a lot oh, of exclamation marks, she's she is thoroughly frustrated, isn't not she? Not happy at all about him wanting to basically um, get a movie in the final year of his contract. He's thirty-three years old, and they've just decided, yeah, to to, to keep him there, potentially just sitting on the bench whilst his wife is not mm, happy at all. Sounds like she's decided enough is enough. Mm. Um, enough is enough. If we stick to that theme, um, women in football, the brilliant organisation that bring women working in the football industry together, be they broadcast reporter, be they behind the scenes, be they coaching staff, referees, whatever connection they have to football, there is a, a huge group of women now involved and they have just released the results of a survey that they conducted amongst their members. Um, over 4,000 people, I think, replied to this one. The not so good is that 66% of women working in football say that they've experienced some form of gender discrimination and only around 12% actually reported it. So by highlighting these figures, women in football is trying to say, look, it goes on and we can't ignore it and we need to start addressing it. So there's some really important research there done by women in football and um, there's an article up on our website. Um, we've got an interview with Jackie Oatley who uh, talked us through it. Um, we spoke to her about her take on it and that is on Offside Rule podcast.com jesse parker humphrey is putting that together so check that out and on that note i'm going to round up and say to my very best of ladies that uh, thank you very much for both joining us and imparting upon your wisdom Haley. i know you're whizzing off to sky sports so we'll be brief and um, how does someone rate and review us Lindsay? They go wherever they get the show and they leave a five-star review. It would be lovely to get a little write-up as well because it does help people find us um, and spread the word. So we've had another one this week, I've seen. I haven't got it to hand, but we will make sure we read a few out soon. Yes, and there's our social media accounts as well. Hayley at Offside Rule Pod, a terrific job done on Transfer Deadline Day again. Yes, they were excellent, providing a lot of updates and... um... Yeah, make sure you come and follow Offside Rule on Twitter and we're on Instagram as well too. All right, well, ladies, it's International Week, so it means that there'll be a little bit of rest and respite going on um, amongst some of our football colleagues. Uh, For you at home as well, have a lovely weekend. Uh, We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Offside Rule, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Offside at OffsideRulePodcast.com and by following at OffsideRulePod on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletics football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Offside Rule is a Muddy Knees Media production. Yes, that music means one thing and one thing only. The Offside Rule WSL edition is back. Woohoo! And the WSL is bigger and better than ever before. Which means we need to do the same. And that's why we've got interviews with the biggest names, the brightest minds in the game, as well as all the in depth match analysis you've come to know and love. Just search for the Offside Rule WSL edition, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can find us ad free on the Athletic app. That's the Offside Rule WSL edition, out every Tuesday. Muddy News Media Sports Social Podcast Network